We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Oh, welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday night, 8-8-8-23, p.m. Mountain Time. And that means it's time for an episode of Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as almost always, on these Tuesdays, sometimes a little hit or miss, you know, ships in the night in the summertime, but that's okay. Season's right around the corner. Carl Dummler. Carl how you doing? Thanks for holding down the fort last week while I worked up a sweat and uh, was struggling in the backcountry in Sawtooth, Idaho. Yeah, no, I'm glad to see you back. See that you didn't get eaten by a bear or not any a lot of, of, of the other creatures. Yeah. No? Okay. No, not, well, not that's compared good to, to Washington. <laughs> okay. Well, you're back. That's good to see. Yeah, last week, great time getting to talk about some training camp and mm-hmm. everything that's going on with the Broncos. And, you know, it just, I'm ready for Friday. Ready to see yeah. these guys on the field and actually get a little, little bit more information of live game action. And you know, I, I know a lot of people aren't always excited about preseason because usually the starters don't play a lot. And it sounds like the Broncos will have some. Uh, but you and me, we always like those back end players. What what are they going to bring to the table? And you you find yourself some um, some nice hidden gems every once in a while. With, with that for the Broncos. So I'm interested to see who are they going to be the, the hidden gems this year for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's why it's building the Broncos, right? It's the entire roster. It's the the 53. So hopefully going to see some guys stay out there and hopefully they can stay healthy. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about health today, both as it pertains to the unfortunate news from today's practice, as well as uh, what's potentially coming down the tracks as the Broncos head to Arizona. But let's say hello to some people in the chat as they come in. And uh, we're going to get to the super chats first because, you know, I, we, I'm not really a big believer in cutting, but if you're giving me money, then God bless you. David McElrath coming in here, Papa Bear. Good to see you. Saying good evening, Broncos country. Nick, Carl, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. He's saying hashtag 12 and 5. He's all saying buckum, 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 MHH for life, and Denver Broncos for life. 12 and 5. I will take it, man. Let's. I'm I'm here for one and zero. Uh, forget twelve and five for now. Let's uh, you know not to be too cliche, but one and zero to start would be great, and that would be a victory at the Raiders, which the Broncos have not won in Vegas yet. That would be uh, very nice uh, to start off one and zero, and uh, that would be uh, the pathway uh, to twelve and five, obviously as well. Troy Bauer coming in here nine ninety nine says, "Hey guys, 
encouraged by the offense lately and comments today about the edge rushers. Hope the injuries are minor and they fix the field in Arizona before Friday. Have a great show. Well, Troy, you're starting us off by uh, or helping us start off with a great show. We really do appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm encouraged about the offense coming in lately. It's something Scott and I, I think we touched on probably five times on today's show, and that's why preseason, we like it a lot. But training camp, it's Bronco on Bronco, and it's always a zero-sum game, which means that when the edge rushers are winning, means the Broncos' tackles are losing. When the Broncos' receivers are winning, it means the pass rush or the cornerbacks are losing. So good to hear that the offense is starting to build momentum. Uh, I don't know. It's at least noteworthy that it's coming at the heels of Justin Simmons missing time, I think, at least at least noteworthy. Uh, but uh, good to hear that the Broncos are building some confidence, and we will really find out about this team as they start to match up against non-Broncos. Yeah. I, I mean, the the nice thing is he won't have to go against Justin Simmons during the season. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be a whole lot of safeties that are going to be able to play the way the Simmons can there on the back end and, and make those deep throws less and less possible. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that has to be a factor. And I know we have another comment that's coming in with, with some questions about that. Um, but you're right. Just hearing some good about the offense. We haven't heard good about the Bronco offense in a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of remember uh, those first few years of you doing, uh, you and I doing this show, like we'd hear of training camp practices where there'd maybe be like two or three real completions the entire day. Mm-hmm. And they'd just be saying, Oh my gosh, this defense is just ridiculous. Well, we'd also figure out the offense was just that bad. So the fact that they're doing really well, some of these completions are coming against guys like Patrick Sertan. You know, when I was out there on Friday, uh, I think I saw Sutton catch about two or three passes one-on-one against Sertan. That's great to hear. I mean, he is one of the top three cornerbacks in football. So if you can win one-on-one against him, you're doing some good stuff. Jerry Judy had a couple nice wins against him. Um, You know, I, I was actually more surprised at how average Sertan looked in that practice. Um, not saying that he is average. I'm just saying in that practice, he got beat a few more times than I thought he would. And so it gives me a little bit of hope that things are turning around for this Bronco offense, that they maybe have some nice weapons on top of actually having a competent play caller. You know, that, that goes a long ways when you have a guy that can actually call plays to actually beat a defense and knows what he's doing, knows how to handle game situations. He's been in all those. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged about the edge position as well, that some of those guys, those younger guys are stepping up, you know, Randy Gregory and Frank Clark have missed a lot of practices. So hearing guys like Jonathan Cooper, uh, Incum is another one that I've heard some good things about Bonito, you know, all those guys, they, they need to step up to take that next step for the Broncos to really be a great defense this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow again, zero sum, and hopefully everybody can stay healthy. The big thing that Troy mentions here that makes my skin crawl is that hope the injuries are minor. They can fix the field in Arizona before Friday. There was an injury that, or a report that former Denver Bronco last season for just a blip, but still a Bronco out there in Marlon Mack uh, was suffered an injury in Arizona and that the field is ugly uh, right, the, right now in uh, Arizona, which is really just unacceptable. Uh, considering the, you know, how much like Arizona has got a pretty new stadium and how like climate controlled that area is as well. And the fact that the turf is not okay. I mean, this is the bleeping NFL, right? I know it's preseason, but like there should be, there should be no questions that these, these fields are state of the art. And the fact that there's any questions or concerns right now entering preseason week one matchup 
or the preseason one matchup, whatever it is, is uh, unacceptable. I mean, honestly, I've, I'd be considering uh, legal action uh, to something. This is such the product on the field matters. Like if there's any concerns about that and it's limiting, let's say the Broncos potentially playing players that they want to play or doing things that they want to injuries happen. But if your field is not up to a certain standard, which it sounds like the, the Cardinals field is not, you know, unacceptable. Yeah. I, and I kind of question now, do you really want your starters out there? If it's that kind of field, I, if I get there and, and, I have my guys go test it out just a little bit and they come back and say, coach, this is not good. I'm saying Russell Wilson hit the bench starting offensive line, hit the bench. Like mm-hmm. we're getting you guys out of there because we're not risking this kind of injury. Patrick, Patrick Zertan, you know, maybe some of the young guys you're willing to just get them some reps. But again, if, if the field's not great, it's not worth it to be out there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's rough because they do need the reps. I mean, obviously, Peyton's talked about the only way you can get better at tackle football is by playing tackle football. And we've heard about, you know, Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper dominating in some matchups and uh, the offensive tackle is struggling. But if you're not playing true, like having to worry about the run fits type of uh, defense as well, like you're not really learning about those guys. The offensive line is not able to really work on what they need to work on unless it's true, as Sean Payton calls it, tackle football. So they're not putting those guys out there how are they going to get better at it but at the same time it's the classic conversation of the risk versus reward of playing those guys so hopefully they can get everything straightened up there in arizona but if the field is if if they're not confident going out there the players are not confident going out there i mean even just having that in the back of your head uh can be a massive detriment that you don't want to go out and you can you know take a step differently than normally would or act like you're going to get hit and your body will react differently than normally would and not trusting yourself in the field can lead to an injury so Hopefully everything is okay there in Arizona, but uh, shame on them. And uh, I know the Bidwells have been under a lot of scrutiny, Arizona ownership, over the last uh, couple seasons. So uh, worth monitoring. But, man, I'll tell you, if there is an issue uh, with the field, Sean Payton and the Walton Penner group will probably let it be known to the league. And I'm I'm guessing there will be at least some 
conversation uh, surrounding that following the game and especially knock on wood, if there's a significant injury that occurs. Right. For sure. All right. We got Michael Ronquillo coming in saying good evening, Nick and Carl on building the Broncos go Broncos and Buckham. Michael, always good to see you here every single Tuesday cheering us on and, uh, and supporting us. So thank you for the stars. And of course, yeah, go Broncos. Can't wait to see him there on Friday. Yeah, and appreciate you, Michael. Hope you're doing well. Hope today's a little bit better after the passing of your family's dog. Um, and also, thank you for the super chat, but also thank you for coming in and dropping the like as well. That's uh, completely free, and uh, you guys come in and leave us a comment and uh, leave us a reaction as well on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at. David Carmelo, friend of the show, a friend, friend of a friend, or actual friend coming in here. Good to see you, David. Hope you're doing well. Uh, he asks... Can Russell Wilson's performance these past few days be attributed to more than Justin Simmons' absence? Keep in mind, both starting offensive tackles didn't practice today. I'm sure there's a lot of variables to it. They've been going through install, and he's probably getting a little bit more confident in what they're trying to do. It's been a little bit more game-like situations as well. But again, it's a small sample size. It's not real football just yet, and we're, we're going to learn soon enough. I mean, everything is incrementally ramping up to legitimate regular season football. And those reps will matter, obviously, a lot more than what we're at right now. It really ramps up from preseason to the regular season. But I think that we have reason to be cautiously optimistic uh, that Russell Wilson is improving, that the offense can be competent this season. Uh, competent is my bar right now. Uh, anything beyond that, we need to reach competent before we can even talk about anything else. And we have not been there. So let's reach competent. And I think uh, these past four practices at least are showing the potential for competency from the Broncos offense, which... God bless. I will take. Yeah. It's been since 2014 since Broncos had anything approaching competent. And I mean, even then it was everything predating that game in St. Louis where Emmanuel Sanders got hurt and Peyton hurt his knee in that one, his back. I don't remember what the injury was, but it was like all of a sudden that St. Louis game happened. They lost in St. Louis to a terrible team and everything went downhill from there. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, Justin Simmons, I mean, you think about a couple of those completions that they talked about today, uh, the one to Cortland Sutton for the touchdown, it was over the middle of the field. Mm. If Justin Simmons there, maybe that's not a completion. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. The deep one to Marvin Mims, again, that's a space that Justin Simmons is usually out there trying to help with. And But at the same time, you, you play who's out there. And if you find an opportunity to go make a great play, then that, that's what they're doing. They're actually taking advantage of it. You know, And it's not just those couple plays, it's actually consistently completing passes throughout the entire practice, uh, no matter who's out there. I mean, he had a great touchdown to Kendall Hinton today in a red zone drill or a goal lines drill. And, you know, Brandon Johnson, before he went down, he was having a lot of good consistency. Marvin Mims now starting to make some plays. Uh, Grimes is another one that I've heard has made some plays with Russell Wilson. And so he's starting to build, like you said, that chemistry. He's building that timing. And, that's just something last year timing was so bad on every part of it. You know, he, he couldn't get through his reads quick enough. By the time he finally saw somebody open, it was too late. And he was trying to zip it in when, you know, windows were closing down. And so the fact that they're actually building that right now says a lot for where this offense is at compared to these past few years. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. So hopefully it'll be, Moving in the correct direction. I said 100%. I've been moving away from that, but we're back, baby. Regular season's here. Uh, as far as keeping in mind that the both starting OTs didn't practice today, that's a good point. Another thing, talking with some people, and uh, we have our own little you know, connections in our group chats and whatnot that we're in for the Broncos. 
this is not totally game situation just yet. And there's been a few plays that have happened where maybe it should have been called dead because of a sack. Maybe a pass rusher pulled up a little bit because they're not obviously going to hit Russell Wilson. Maybe there's an obvious hold that is not called. And then a big Jerry Judy touchdown is caught that maybe wouldn't happen in a game situation because the left tackle who's has a reputation for holding is blatantly holding and it's not called. Who's to say? Um, but again, we're ramping up to it. You got to give them uh, credit for what was happened there, but it's still not game situation. So we won't know until we know, which is really unfortunate because you're at, you're in here for us to prognosticate and talk about it. But the actual situation of the games are going to be different than what we've seen in these practice situations. Specifically, are, would these big plays in the offense be happening if they were actually, you know, trying to get after the quarterback, if they were actually calling holds and whatnot on the offense at the rate that we will see in the regular season? Who's to say? Uh, but worthwhile questions that have uh, at least things we've heard uh, from people, boots on the ground in Dove Valley. And I got to ask you before we get to Gary as well, with a very generous 999. Did you notice that as well? I mean, you kind of were there when the offense started to at least enter the correct direction. Did you notice, you know, it's like, oh, that looks like a pretty damn obvious hold uh, by offensive lineman X that is not called. Yeah, I mean, you could tell the offensive line, they're, they're really still working on their chemistry on a lot mm-hmm. of things. Uh, there's a lot of plays. The offense was usually going, um, I guess, to my right, like they were trying to move to my right. Mm-hmm. So I got to see the right side with McGlinchey and Quinn Miners a lot in the practice I was at. And the defense was running a lot of um, a lot of blitzes right at that spot, trying to test those guys to see how they'd handle the switches. And th- there's a couple communication errors there that led to big plays in the backfield. And I think as practice went on, it got better, mm-hmm. but especially early on, it was really bad. And then the very first drill that they did where it was live 11 on 11, um, they had two false starts, then a holding penalty. And it was just really bad by that group to start off that. And then they, they got a second chance and they actually got into field goal range and made the field goal and all that. But um, you know, just a lot of things that they're still working to clean up. You know, it's a brand new unit. You got uh, at least, I mean, you could call it what three new pieces. Cause Garrett Bowles wasn't there last year because of injury. Now you got Ben powers, Mike McGlinchey, you know, Lloyd Cushberry still learning a new system. So it's just, it's going to take that group time. It's yeah. not going to click day one. Um, like I said, early in practice, I was going, ah, oh, crap, this looks horrible. End of yeah. practice. I was kind of going, eh, they at least got a couple things going decently. So yeah. just that inconsistency is what they got to clean up. Hard to do um, when you're not playing actual tackle football too. So hopefully everything is okay for that Arizona game. And talking about Friday, Gary Palmer comes in and says, Hey guys, so psyched for the game. Finally able to see our team playing go Broncos and Buckham. Yeah. For some people who are, you know, not always boots on the ground. You were boots on the ground recently, but uh, getting that game tape that you can sit there and rewind and it's actually out there where you're, you know, they're very, uh, what is it? Fort Knox with some of their information that comes out of Dove Valley and these uh, practices and whatnot. The fact that it'll be out there will be good and something to break down and again, matchups against players that are non Broncos. We can really start to gather information and evaluate the direction of the team, where these matchups are and guys who stand out. So let me ask you this question about the game on Friday, who is one starter and one non-starter that you're excited to get some eyes on for this game. Okay. I answered something similar to this this morning, uh, but Gary, thank you so much for coming into the nine ninety nine. Uh, for me, something a guy that I'm really excited to watch uh, just to see the usage and what the impact is going to be of him is uh, 
Zach Allen, uh, assuming that he does play just because, I mean, it sounds like he's been a very fun player through training camp so far, but he's not a finesse Twitch pass rusher, which for the type, just the, how camp is set up and these one-on-ones are set up. Typically the power players aren't really set up to succeed as much as the, you know, bendy small Twitch guys. So I'm curious to see how Zach Allen does in actual power football situations and what his usage is. I mean, are we going to be lining him up seven technique? Are we going to see some four eye? Are we going to see some three technique lined up one-on-one against a guard? I mean, what, what is exactly his role and usage on this defensive line? I'm really excited to see that. Of course, Nick is going to say the, uh, the defensive line. And then the, uh, the other guy, Gosh, I don't want to say defensive line again with uh, PJ Mustafer. So I'll go with uh, Drew Sanders uh, just to see how competent he is in terms of how he's reading the game. I'm looking, he's this will be only his second year uh, playing linebacker at this level. He played a lot of edge rusher uh, coming in from Alabama to Arkansas. And the run fits, the processing, the instincts, those are not givens. Those take time. And if you're out of place, your hips are pointed the wrong way because you're reading, you take the misdirection, you take the bait, uh, then you can ruin the entire integrity of the back seven, the run fits and the pass defense. So seeing what Drew Sanders looks like on that side of the field, seeing how comfortable and competent he is, or seeing if he's somebody that, you know, let's say he's lined up next to Josie Jewel is Josie Jewel having to like line him up before the snap and say, okay, you have to watch for this, this, and this. That'll really give me an idea of how far away we can be from Drew Sanders being a linebacker versus purely a pass rush weapon. Yeah. So All right, we got Phil. Mc- yep, we got Phil McLaughlin coming in saying, "Good evening, Nick, Carl, and Deacon Scott. Did I read that Brandon Johnson was hurt today? Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag Go Broncos. Hashtag MHH for life. Yes, Brandon Johnson did tweak something at practice. Some were talking that they were working kind of the groin area. Um, it didn't sound like it was too serious. He walked into the locker room. A couple of the media guys reported later on saying that." Sounds like he's going to be okay. Probably going to miss a few practices. Uh, the interesting thing is going to be, since Marvin Mims had a nice practice today, and you got a couple other wide receivers that are right there in the wing trying to compete. Callaway's another one, that third wide receiver spot. You know, let's say Marvin Mims goes out there and has a couple really nice practices and then has a really nice preseason game. Can Brandon Johnson get back into that third wide receiver competition? Or is it at that point you're saying, hey, we drafted this guy high. We want to get him in there. He's a big time playmaker. You know, can he still keep that third third spot? I definitely think given that the NFL is about obviously number first and foremost, it's about scoring. But after that, it's about trying to create big plays. And I think Marvin Mims speed and just I mean, we saw it at Oklahoma. He was a big play machine. Uh, The fact that he is such a big play player. Uh, makes me lean that if he steps forward, uh, he can end up being the dude. But I also think that while there might, might not be a huge number of targets to go around, you know, this isn't going to be like the 2013 Broncos where you had the God, what was it? 22 players with a thousand yards. I'm exaggerating, but just like a crazy number of players with like reception yards out the wazoo. That's not going to yeah. be the case uh, in this offense. I think there'll be plenty of snaps to go around, but targets, maybe not as much. So Brandon Johnson, I mean, the fact that the guy that you lost was, Tim Patrick, there's still a role there for that kind of guy. So Marvin Mims might overtake in terms of the actual target share, but Snapshot, I think, is still very much uh, up for debate uh, as long as he can get back out there and get healthy. And again, another guy who uh, you mentioned some of the smaller wide receivers starting to step. I think Jalen Virgil has uh, started to play a little bit better. And also uh, Taylor Grimes just keeps getting uh, mentioned as well. So worth keeping an eye on it. Even Montreal Washington uh, has had some uh, had a shout out today, I think, from the special teams coach. Uh, so uh, that's a 
worth keeping an eye on, but it does seem that if Brandon Johnson does lose a spot because of injury, it'd probably be Marvin Mims who had a big touchdown today. So awesome to see that. Right. And, and Troy uh, just put in the chat that Mike Liss said, Mike McGlinchey has a, a knee sprain and will miss some time, but should be okay to be ready for week one. So not great news, but it's not horrible news, I would say mm-hmm. at this point. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I am it's still uh, the fact that we're what is that, a month away still, and uh yeah. we should be okay for week one makes me alert. Uh, because I feel like a lot of times that can be Week one turns into week two, turns into week three. So it's not out for the year. That's good news. He should be back at some point. But a knee sprain at this point, is considering it happened today, is uh, he's expected back maybe week one, but we will see. So hoping for the best and hoping that uh, if they do go right tackle, Isaiah Prince slash Cam Fleming can be up for the challenge for the preseason and the short term. I feel I know Cam Fleming was pretty solid last season. I've heard that he's been up and down in camp so far. Hopefully once you get into actual game situations, his power and run game prowess uh, will take over, but uh, we'll see. So hope, I guess that's good news for Mike McGlinchey. And we hadn't even gotten to the Mike McGlinchey news today yet. He got rolled up on in a uh, scrum, not like a fight, but like, you know, just a bunch of bodies out there. So uh, comes out with a knee sprain. Don't know what grade, uh, but should be ready week one. So all in all, it's good news. Yeah, I, I still remember, and, and this is why I'm always hesitant with these kind of things, uh, Billy Turner last year. You know, all through training camp, it was kind of a, oh, yep, just another week. He'll be good. Just a little bit more time. And then it lingered into the season, like you said. Tom Compton was another one. Kind of that same language of, oh, just it, it's not quite going away. It's not quite doing what it needs to be doing. Uh, he'll get there. And then we pretty much saw neither of them but a, a couple games of the season. So I, I, right now, I guess I'm going to be willing to trust that he's going to be ready for week one. But mm-hmm. it also, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if we're starting to linger into a couple games of the season. Yeah. And just to be fully transparent with the uh, the news here from Troy, not that Troy is wrong, uh, but Scott's like, I haven't seen him tweet that yet. Uh, Mike Cliss did a segment on NBC nine news and uh, apparently mentioned it on there saying uh, McGlinchey's knee sprain should be out two to three weeks. Cliss added McGlinchey will likely be good to go for week one. So there's the news. You can check it out on uh, Denver sports as well. They just reported that news. So good news overall. Um, Cliss hasn't tweeted it yet, but it'll be out there soon. And I uh, see it circulating and see him saying it himself uh, in that interview. So overall, <laughs> pretty good news for the Broncos. All things considered, let's hope that that trend can continue. Uh, let's say hello to some more people in here while uh, we, we, you guys, super chats are killing it, but we want to make sure we say hello to people who aren't always doing that. Cause you don't have to give a super chat for us to say hello. Of course, if you do, we definitely will say hello. But the Dylan coming in saying, make sure you guys hit that like button on the way in, share on all platforms. Uh, Phil also coming in. Oh, sorry, Phil. We always appreciate you, Phil. Hope you're doing well. Mike guest in the house saying, what's up, Carl, Nick, and Dylan and Scott. Good to see you. Saw William Contalano's in here as well. David Youngkin saying, Broncos country. Good evening. Jeff Dub saying, hello, dark cloud, my old friend. The injury bug is still strong in Dub Valley. Well, luckily, that cloud has a silver lining that the injuries do not appear to be serious. But uh, yeah, we injuries are part of the game. 
you know, you can train the training staff so many times, but uh, they're still going to happen. So hopefully uh, we can ward that off for the rest of the week here. Donald Wilson Jr. saying evening, Nick, Scott, Dylan, and Carl, Broncos country. Good to see you, Donald. Hope you're doing well. Always appreciate you coming in. Our gal Kathy coming in here. Kathy, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you a Wazoo fan? If so, uh, condolences. I cannot recall for sure, but Oregon State and Wazoo are just uh, kind of in in some uh, purgatory right now. I'm not sure what's going to happen with them, but I could be wrong. Um, says, good evening, everyone. Looks like it's the same old, same old with the injuries. Hope you all are doing well. Well, I'm not injured. Carl, you doing okay? Head still attached? So far, I think. I, I mean, you can tell me. Is it good? Everything good here? Yeah. Our pet heads, okay. our pets heads are falling off. No, um, that <laughs> feels like training camp every year for the Broncos. No, nothing too bad yet. We appreciate you, Kathy. Zach Powers in here. Hope you're doing well. Says afternoon, everyone with the beers. I, I could use a cold pop. Uh, C Chang saying, all I know is that two players are out for the season. Uh, Tim and Jonas. Yep. Uh, Tim Patrick and Jonas Griffith. Too bad. Cause it sounded like Jonas was having a pretty darn good camp. Not to the extent that he was maybe like for sure going to beat out drew Sanders, but I think it was not a for sure thing who the first linebacker off the bench would be. And special teams definitely takes a hit uh, losing Jonas Griffith. So that's too bad. Uh, and then obviously Tim Patrick, my heart breaks, breaks, breaks for him uh, just because he dealt with everything. and sounded like he was very frustrated by the injuries. So hope that he's uh, doing well, or at least me- mentally in an okay spot. Jay Roper saying, hello, everyone. Curly hair gang. Hope you're doing well. Harold Jean otherwise known as uh, Jalen Virgil comes in, says Jalen Virgil with a 15 yard first down on the two minute drill today. Jalen Virgil did stand out today and I gave him a shout out as well. So uh, hopefully we're all good. Harold, we appreciate you coming in and we'll see what happens with the uh, app state former uh, big time track runner who uh, did some good things for the football program there. John Libick coming in saying good evening guys. Hope you're doing well. John Ernie Mays says Broncos country only appreciate the shout out on my uh, hiking photos and are you saying Broncos country only still I made sure to say that to people on the trail we appreciate that Patrick Wiltsey coming in saying aloha gents Patrick thank you so much for the lion coffee got the lion coffee mug behind me I can't really have coffee after 2 p.m otherwise I'm gonna not be feeling so good and spend a lot of time in the uh, the restroom but uh coffee in the morning amen and uh, appreciate the recent supply of pour over coffees I'm excited to try that and how are you doing on your coffee supply Carl I'm good. I'm I'm mixing in the the coconut coffee right now that he sent me, and okay. I've been feeding it to a couple different people. They've really not feeding it, drink, helping helping them drink it, um, and they're really loving the the coconut coffee. I'm kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know that I would like that, but it's becoming a fan favorite of ours. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's very good. I'm not such a coconut guy myself, but I do enjoy the coffee. Lawrence Rivera saying, "What's up, guys? I hate how pre I hate how preseason doesn't really matter." How much due to contracts in place? Usually you can find a diamond in the rock pile before all the contracts take in factor of who plays more. They're going to Sean Payton, I think doesn't care so much about the, uh, the contracts and the, the pecking order of that. He's going to play the best guys. Some guys don't have enough, uh, weight uh, behind them that they're going to, you know, kind of give in to some of the vets and whatnot. Maybe that's what we saw a little bit last year, but I'm not too worried about that. And yes, hopefully the Broncos can find a few diamonds in the rough, uh, mentioned a few we mentioned earlier to taylor grimes maybe uh jaleel mclaughlin can be somebody i think they mentioned him today in the interview and sounds like a pj mustafer has had a pretty darn good camp as well i'm excited to see him i almost mentioned him as my non-starter that you asked me about who i'd be interested in but i couldn't go back-to-back yeah. defensive line i can't be that biased yeah i remember todd davis talked recently about this because he's co- he's been with them down there in the saints and uh he said that Sean Payton is one of the better coaches of not playing the favorites, depending on contracts, you know, best player plays. And he said, he's kind of a no nonsense guy. 
they had a pretty high draft pick player that was showing up late to meetings, um, wasn't giving his all. And Sean Payton just went in front of the entire team, like started pulling off all this stuff out of his locker and was like, you're out of here. You're done with this team. Mm-hmm. And like the entire league was like, what in the world's going on? Why are they cutting this guy? He was like a third or fourth round pick as a rookie and already gone. And so it just, again, he shows he's going to be very consistent in that of best player plays. Yep. I mean, right way. And the players in the locker room should know that as well. Um, think that sets a good precedent, although maybe it'll upset a few of the entrenched veterans, but personally, I don't give a damn. <laughs> so yeah. I, if the Broncos were winning and had a great football team of the last years, and maybe I'd feel good for them. But uh, right now, absolutely not. None of those guys. I mean, have any of them seen a winning football season for the Broncos? Justin Simmons in 2016, maybe. 16, yeah, nine seven. That's that's maybe it. Um, well, for the people playing in Denver, obviously some free agents and whatnot probably have seen some winning teams, but not in Denver. So I don't care. Uh, we got it's all dark and handsome coming in. His name is uh, Ramiro Mahika. Says, "What's up, fellas? My favorite hosts. Too kind. Thanks. Thank you so much." Says, "My f- uh, glad to make a live cast listening whilst decorating my classroom." Buck Ooh. up, uh, buck things up, and uh, shout out to you, man. A uh, teacher. We really do appreciate that, teachers. Mom's a teacher. I've come from a family of teachers, so I definitely understand the uh, the struggles that you guys go through and not the support and uh, asking to be a parent when you're not a parent to those kids sometimes. So uh, really unappreciated, and we appreciate the heck out of you uh, helping craft and sculpt some of the young up-and-coming minds. Yeah, hope, hope you have a great school year. Yeah. I know that's kicking off. My kids go back to school on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Holy cow. It'll be their very first day of the, the school year, so... Crazy to think summer's already over, but I hope you have a great year. Yeah, appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. And Kevin saying, yeah, no news, good news. We do have news, and it was all good news. So uh, I was the opposite. A lot of times when things are hushed, I'm like, uh-oh, they probably want to get a second opinion or another scan. But uh, sounds like it's good news for the Broncos. We'll see if anything comes from it. Uh, Michaela Israel, how's everyone doing? We're doing pretty well, hanging out, having fun. And uh, yeah, so Carl, I know you were down there in camp for a bit, but first we're going to say hello to Phil. Coming in with the stars over on Facebook says, Carl, I read that Kotwick likes Washington's improvement. So uh, the Broncos special teams coordinator in name, I think that uh, Westoff is probably outranks him a tad and it has a little bit to do with bringing in Kotwick. You couldn't bring him from the Vikings as the assistant special teams coach unless you gave him a promotion. Now he's a special teams coach, but Westoff is probably the right. power. But anyway, uh, Kotwick likes Washington's improvement, Montreal Washington's improvement on punt returns. Do you agree based on what you've seen? Also, uh, what are your thoughts on Marvin Mims Jr.? Is there a chance that he takes over on the punt returning position? Not kick return, but punt return. Right. So Broncos did a ton of punt work while I was there. And when they first started the drill, there's about four or five guys catching punts. By the end of it, it was just down to Mims and Washington. So it really does mm-hmm. seem like it's a, a two-man race for that job. Yeah. I was not a huge fan of Washington. While I was watching him, uh, my biggest issue was it just never seemed like he caught it cleanly when the punt was coming to him. Like it just it bounced off his fingers into his chest and he'd be kind of trying to hold on to it or bounce off his chest. And or Mims, it was like, boom, it's right there. It's just it doesn't move. Um, now, Mims did drop one. Then, of course, later on, like I'm telling my wife because she was there with me, uh, watch him, watch him catch this. And then he drops it. She's like, is that what I was supposed to watch? But really, if if I was picking right now. I would be picking Mims just because I think he's a little bit more sure-handed. I've heard Washington dropped a few early in camp. I think he dropped one on the day that I was there. And just those kind of things. You know, 
that is that is such a game changer when you you know you win on defense and you're going to have this chance to get a nice punt return and then your returner drops it and then your defense has to go back out there. I can't just I can't imagine how that feels as a defensive player. And so I'd rather have the sure-handed guy. Washington might be maybe a little bit more he's not more explosive, but you know like his job coming in was as a punt returner. Remembers it's more of he's a wide receiver who can return punts. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I don't know. I'm so torn on this because Washington stunk so bad last year. It's hard for me to believe that he's really improved that much this season. And like I said, just not having the sure hands makes me really nervous with him back there. I just wonder if it comes down to roster math with him. Uh, the fact that you have other guys that can do those jobs. It's one of 53 is, are you going to just bring in and keep a guy who's probably only punt returning unless they can bring other aspects to it? Uh, is he a better wide receiver than Taylor Grimes? I mean, questions that are, we're going to find out, hopefully at least a little bit more information as preseason goes on. Can he contribute in special teams and non punt returning ways? I mean, these are all things that you got to figure out, especially if you're wide receiver five or six. Uh, so we'll be curious to see. I think that he's probably pretty safe in terms of making the practice squad. I don't know if anybody else would pick him up, uh, but right. there's still a chance uh, that he could make it out there. So we'll see what happens. Jason O'Neill says, pounded the like button on the way in. Good evening, Broncos country. What have I missed? Good news, I guess, all around. Uh, Brendan Johnson's supposed to be okay, and Mike McGlinchey might miss the rest of training camp and preseason, which isn't great, but it sounds like he's expected to make a recovery after two to three weeks and be back week one. But obviously that kind of thing changes as we get closer to the uh, start of the season. So hoping for the best on that one. Uh, So we'll see what happens. Uh, with Mike McGlinchey going forward, Philip Hagginson coming in here saying good evening, everyone. Good to see you, Phil. Hope things are going well. Donnie Claus coming in or Klaus. I'm going to go with Donnie Claus saying go Broncos. Good luck this year. Hopefully so. Uh, the Broncos have had a horseshoe not shoved up where they want, but hopefully it's going to be the uh, better this season um, but with the injury luck and just overall Dylan saying teachers are amazing. Yes, they are. Jack Whipflyer coming in saying it's been ugly for so many seasons in Denver. Hopefully it won't be the laughing stock like the Broncos have been. Broncos have been a laughing stock. I am concerned that we are one step away from laughing stock to irrelevant. Uh, if the Broncos fall flat on their face this season, we're just not going to be talked about it. Like last year, pointing and laughing, but, and this is kind of a loser, I'll admit it's kind of a loser mentality, but at least they were pointing and laughing at us because we mattered. You know, we, we were at least in the conversation. We're one step away from, you know, being the, not this bad, but, you know, like kind of the echelons of like how many, Cardinal players can an average fan name or Texans players. I mean, just absolutely not only bad, but irrelevant. And for Denver to be irrelevant is horrible for the league. In my opinion, I'm biased, but I mean, Denver has been such a shield carrier for the league for a number of years for them to be, you know, apathetic and irrelevant. It would be just dreadful. Yeah. I, I can say because I've been to about the last five coaches training camps, um, I was very impressed with how this one was ran. Sean Payton is very big on situational football and very big on just different situations within games. You know, like every, uh, every position group on defense went through fumble recovery and like they did it for quite a while everybody, you know, here's the bounce going over here, tip drill. You know, I mean, some of those things happen at some of the other practices, but not to the level that they were done at this one. Um, you know, the two minute drill, like they practiced that a ton when I was there. Goal line situations, red zone. They they just practice that more than anything else. They're not doing the, oh, let's see if we can drive it 40 yards down the field. No, it's okay. We've got a minute 43 on the clock, two timeouts. 
Let's go see what we can do. And so I think, especially in those areas, you're going to see dramatic improvement, um, discipline towards players. You know, when they mess up, coaches are right there making sure that they know that they messed up. Last year, the players really kind of ran training camp. It, it was kind of, I mean, just, it was hard to follow because it didn't seem like there's much order of, hey, we're going to go do this and this and everybody break up, do this right here. I don't know. It was, you could kind of tell this was going to be a little bit of a disaster last year. Um, you know, I was kind of hoping if you empower the players, maybe they're going to rise up and really take ownership in that. But it, it was not the case. You need a coach that really is the head honcho out there on the field. Yeah, I mean, they got to be the man in charge. And that seems very much what Sean Payton is doing uh, in Denver. And I mean, there's no question uh, who's the person that is you know, calling the shots. Michael Rome comes in, says, Nick, what's the backstory on wide receiver Grimes? Does he have a shot at the 53? Is he a practice squad candidate? I think he's probably most likely a practice squad candidate, but there's always an outside shot. Uh, they're really productive at uh, Incarnate Word, but unfortunately for him, he has the label of being small and slow, uh, which is not great for a wide receiver. Now, maybe his game or his game speed is better than his uh, time speed, but what I have here from NFLDraftScout.com is uh, that he came in five foot ten, 185 pounds, and ran a four seven four forty, which is not great. Uh, that's kind of the speed you're looking for from a linebacker. I mean, edge rushers are out here running four fives pretty consistently these days. And you have a wide receiver who's a four, seven, four, not what you want, but maybe, you know, that could have been just one pro day. Maybe the equipment wasn't the best. Uh, who knows, but he's out here making plays right now and he's going to get a shot. And, you know, there's been plenty of wide receivers who did not have good times that ended up being solid players in the league. So we'll see what happens with him. But so far he's been somebody who's been standing out uh transfer from illinois state did pretty well at incarnate word very productive but uh not sexy in terms of the stopwatch and the physical profile so but if he can play he can play yeah he he really impressed me a lot uh with his separation now he's going to get second and third team so we have to keep that in perspective that he's going against some guys that probably aren't going to make the nfl but he was consistently getting open and was a favorite target for a lot of the uh, backup quarterbacks for the Broncos. So I agree. I don't think he's going to make the 53 man roster, but I would be shocked if he wasn't one of the practice squad players. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh hoping for the best there. Hoping Brendan Johnson is healthy because he was uh, starting to really kind of seem separate in terms of the top guys. A little bit disappointing that some of those uh, guys that were brought in um, from the saints uh, have not really started to, at least from what I've gathered, not really stood out. Uh, Marquez Callaway, and little Jordan Humphrey. I mean, even to the extent that I think last week, Sean Payton was saying that he was hoping that those guys would uh, be doing a little bit more than they have, but Hey, you know, there's a lot of uh, opportunities in terms of snap count. Now that Tim Patrick's gone down and KJ Hamler is no longer with the team uh, waived with the injury uh, clearance or whatever it was. So uh, we'll see what happens with those guys. Michaela Israel saying she's going to Broncos training camp tomorrow. Well, Hopefully, well, I don't know what the weather is like there, but I know that sun in Denver is intense. So make sure you're, you know, covered up and sunscreen and hat and all that stuff and stay hydrated because uh, nothing worse than, you know, heat stroke out there in Denver. I think we're kind of over the hill on that one, but you never know. I don't know what the weather will be like. Maybe it'll be hot there. Uh, and Carl, you're out there for a bit. I haven't had a chance to talk with you too much uh, about this just yet. What were your big takeaways um, from your time at camp out there? Something that, I mean, obviously, I guess first, you've been at a lot of camps. What really stands out for you? the difference between Sean Payton camp versus at all the field. Well, like, like I said earlier, um, th there's a plan 
Like every practice has, this is what we want to get accomplished during this time. And, you know, there, there's a couple of times like the, uh, they did a two minute drive and the offense stalled out right off the bat, the first team offense. And they said, no, we got to do this again to you guys get something at least positive going in, in the right direction here. So, um, you know, that, that kind of thing of uh, my, my wife always does this with our kids. Of we got to redirect. We got to get you going in the right direction. So you mess up here. Let's restart this whole thing so you do it the right way. And I feel like that's exactly what Sean Payton does when he sees something wrong offensively, defensively. Okay, we're going to reset. Um, I I also really like Sean Payton empowers his other coaches. You know, he kind of stands in the middle and lets his position coaches, uh, lets Vance Joseph really take over the defense. He's not really interfering a ton in that until they get to the big drills like 11 on 11 where he's right there in the middle of it. So, I, you know, sometimes the other coaches were kind of just trying to run back and forth and just it didn't look like they completely trusted all their coaches like Sean Payton does. So good to see that. Player-wise, some guys that really stood out, I would say Grimes was one of them. If mm-hmm. we're talking offensively, um, I think the – I think Russ Wilson, that was really one of his first big good practices that he had. It was still kind of hit and miss. Like today, it sounds like when they did their two-minute drive, I think he only missed like two passes. One of them was a throwaway. One of them was an over overthrow. Otherwise, it was hitting guys. You know, Jalen Virgil there for 15 yards. Um, the practice I was at, it was still big play, missed a couple throws, big play, missed a couple throws. Um, so you at least like to see that there was some big plays defensively Mathis. I like him. <laughs> like it, I, I can't remember exactly. I, I remember him last year and it was pretty inconsistent. Like he'd make a great mm-hmm. play and then not be there on the next one. Like he's going up against some really good wide receivers and Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy on a regular basis. And he's holding his own. Like they're leaving him on an Island and he's winning a lot of those matchups. Um, still gives up a few passes here and there, and he's going to this year. But I think he's going to be a pretty big playmaker for him. Beyond awesome. that, Caden Stearns looks really good flying around the field. Defensive line, edge guys. I, I don't think there was a bad edge player that day, which, like you said earlier, that could mean then the offensive tackles are really bad. But uh, Bonito made a lot of plays that day. Jonathan Cooper made a ton of plays that day. Uh, Incum was another one that made a couple plays that were really nice. The, the only player that I thought kind of had a below average day at the edge position, and I hate to say this, was Christopher Allen. Mm. There's a couple times he really bought on the boot, the bootleg where he crashed inside, left a complete open lane for the quarterbacks to get outside, make an easy completion. Um, so beyond him, though, the rest of that group looks like they're going to be a very solid unit. Okay, well, that's... Again, zero sum. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. I want to dig on that a little bit more uh, in our chat uh, that we were talking. You said that Nick Benito really was standing out to you. Can you tell me a little bit more about what about Nick Benito stood out to you specifically? If there's any specific plays that really were interesting to you, and if you compared to what you saw last season and what we saw on the field last season, any sort of improvements? Is it just purely situationally? I know that I've heard that he put in a lot of work this off season, uh, both in the film room and the weight room. Still not going to be, you know, uh, he's not going to be Jadavian Clowney out there setting the edge. He's just not that right. body type. Uh, but maybe the Broncos can salvage uh, that 63rd overall pick and get themselves a 
very good pass rusher that maybe is never a first and second down player, but can be a very good third down player. So I would say there's, there's three plays that really stuck out with him. Uh, two pass rush and one run defense on the run defense. I think he was, I think the first time he's going against McGlinchey and he did a great job where he held his edge running back cut inside and he disengaged, made the tackle ended up being about a two yard loss. Great play, you know, actually knew where he was supposed to be waited, found the ball, made the play, you know, usually last year it was either a great play in the backfield or nothing because he had to win shooting the gap. You know, he couldn't actually just hold his spot to make sure the running back didn't get outside. He had to shoot inside, try to get the guy in the backfield. So that was really good to see. Then the pass rush, what was so great was very first play, bends around the edge, and I don't think it was McGlinchey. I think it was Fleming, if I remember right. Bends around the edge. I mean, and we know this. He's got the speed. He's got the ability to bend. Made the play. No problem. Then very next play, fakes that he's going to do that very same thing, then spins inside right there again, right in the quarterback's face, made the play. And so the fact that he's stacking what he's trying to do on the field and, you know, being able to build off of, okay, I won with this. Now they're going to expect it. Boom. Okay. Now let's counter it and make them have to really think, am I going to go inside, outside, those kind of things. I didn't see that a lot last year. Last year was just pretty much pure athleticism. I'm going to just run as fast as I can hope I shoot the gap. And if I don't, then I'm out of the play. So that's that's why I feel like when we're hearing that he's having a really good training camp, I feel like it's actually going to show up at least a little bit on the field. It's going to be better than it was last year. I don't know if it's going to be great by any means, but at least you're seeing some positive steps from him. And that was one of the things about him coming out of Oklahoma is that the translation of him from what they were running, I think Grimes was the defensive coordinator there uh, to the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of gap shooting, like pre-snap movement kind of stuff that just does not, not teams aren't running that uh, in the NFL. So uh, good to hear him kind of fit his role. I enjoyed his uh, press conference today talking about Vance Joseph, you know, maybe he's never going to be the best edge setter, but it doesn't have to be that guy as long as he's good enough there where they're not, you know, just audibling and going to him every single time uh, in the run game. So interesting to hear about that. My next question, now that we have Mike McGlinchey hurt for a bit and you talked about it, the edge rushers winning like crazy. Uh, how concerned are you? If let's say Mike McGlinchey ends up missing, you know, three to four weeks and it is Isaiah Prince out there. It is cam Fleming based on what you saw in training camp. Now, again, caveat, this is not real football out there in training camp. The fact that you have the run game in there can be a protection of the offensive line as well. I mean, how the edge rushers play is going to be different, but are you concerned about the uh, backup offensive tackles? Honestly, I'm probably more concerned about Garrett Bowles than I am the backups. Uh, just, I did not see a whole lot of good from him when I was there. Like I said, some holding penalties that probably would have been called, got beat around the edge a couple times. He just, he doesn't look like what he was before his injury. Now, he's got a few weeks to kind of work out all the, uh, the rust and everything, but he's probably the guy that I have my red alert, this could be a problem kind of guy. Uh, Cam Fleming, a little bit of concern, but again, he, he's a backup tackle. So there, there's mm-hmm. going to be a couple times he gets beat, of course. And like I said, a lot of these plays, the defense knows this is going to be a pass play. And so they can pin their ears back and, and get after it where regular game, Broncos are going to be very focused on the run game. So it's going to probably delay the pass rush just a little bit. 
uh, until they get into obvious passing situations. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be an improved unit if they can stay healthy. I think the interior guys, I feel a little bit better about them after watching them. I've been hearing that they were getting beat quite a bit by Zach Allen and stuff. But even there, Zach Allen, a lot of times they're actually having him line up across from one of the tackles. So you're talking about where they're going to put him at. They were using him a lot of time just head up with a tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, he cut inside a lot of times yeah. to get himself an angle, but seems like they're wanting him to be a little bit more of an outside player. Yeah. Did you notice that mostly in base packages, first and second down? Because I feel like you can kind of play off Zach Allen to Benito uh, in early downs to later downs, or was it more actually exotic looks? Maybe it's trying to set up a stunt uh, for somebody looping around the other side or one of those linebackers. I think Alex Singleton's been having a lot of pressures and sacks in camp so far. Yeah, and that was another thing that really stuck out. They do blitz a lot. Like they're they're pretty much daring Russell Wilson to have to make quick decisions. He's not getting past probably second read before somebody's in his face. And that's not really on the offensive line. It's just that's who Vance Joseph is. We're going to be a very aggressive tack downhill kind of guy. Um, and they do run a lot of stunts. That was something that really stuck out. And Zach Allen is great at getting two guys to go with him and opening it up for an edge guy to, to go make the play. So I, I definitely think you're going to see a ton of that, especially in very obvious passing situations. Um, now rundown fits. We didn't see, a, I didn't see a lot of that when mm-hmm. we were at training camp. They, they did a little bit of nine on seven work but they kind of crowded all around it so people couldn't see it very well. And then they had like the one-on-ones going. So everybody's watching, of course, the one-on-ones with wide receiver cornerback. And so it's kind of hard to want to go watch that side of things. Um, yeah. So I, I can't really speak to that as much as I would like. Yeah. Okay. I mean, again, training camp, not real football just yet. So the run game, it's one of those things that you don't know really until you know. Jay Gonzo says, uh, do you think the offensive line has made significant improvements Sound like early on the offensive line is struggling a bit, but uh, hopefully that can improve. It sounds like it's been improving with Russell Wilson improving as well. Uh, so we're going to find out over these preseason games, maybe not so much uh, with the Cardinals, because I don't know about the quality of the pass rushers on that Cardinals team. And if the field is sloppy, I think that is a benefit to the offensive line. Uh, the people who are reacting more so than the attackers uh, doing the quick cuts, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, not for cupcakes sports talk coming in saying for with a 499 super. If you have anything that you want to touch on that you want us to talk about, not for cupcakes sports talk, we will do that, but appreciate the 499 coming in. Hope you're doing well. And uh, Phil McLaughlin always hope Phil's doing well because he makes us do well. Uh, says, Hey Nick off subject, but being the college guru, I don't know about that, but I do love college football and I'm also happy to be one of the, the ends uh, with the big 10 football. So uh, if I was on the outside looking at it, I'd be pretty upset, but I'm not. Uh, what do you think about uh, Southern Methodist University possibly joining Stanford and Cal in the ACC? I mean, regionality means nothing anymore. The Atlantic Coastal Conference, whatever, they call it the American Coastal Conference. Uh, if those teams want to do that, that's fine. I think that the ACC, Florida State's making a big hullabaloo right now, and it sounds like Clemson is kind of with them, but Florida State's leading the hurrah there, uh, where I wouldn't be shocked if Florida State and Clemson you know, kick their feet and, you know, stomp and whatever, and try to get out of the ACC. I think that there's a, there's some contractual thing that the ACC signed a contract through 2036. And at the time they thought, Oh wow, this is a lot of stability. And then the big 10 and the sec signed contracts. They're like, Oh my God, we're making pennies on the dollar compared to the big 10 and the sec. And we're locked in until 2036. And I think one of the only ways to get out 
of that contract is to dissolve the ACC, which requires a majority vote from the the uh, presidents. I believe I could be mistaken about some of the procedurals there, uh, but I mean, SMU was a great school before they got hit with that uh, recruitment hammer that happened. And Stanford and Cal, I mean, I feel really bad for Stanford. I mean, the most national championships of any program for college athletes. I mean, their overall athletic program is unbelievable. Their endowment is like something unbelievable too, but haven't been good at football. And it's pretty hard for them in the transfer portal NIL era to keep talent uh, there because the type of players that they can bring in is quite slim uh, compared to types of talent that can go to, I don't know, we're talking about them right, Florida State. It's not the academic standards are not the same Stanford to Florida State. So we'll be interesting to see. And Cal as well, high academic standards there in Berkeley. So wouldn't be against it. Regionality is out the door. I've already made bed with that. The TV executives are running college football now. So once you make peace with that, you can either choose to enjoy college football or be out on it. I wouldn't fault you either way. And also, I'm really excited about Washington joining the Big Ten because I can get some Hawkeye games here in Seattle. So uh, definitely uh, <laughs> selfish on that one. Not for Cupcakes says, how much fantasy football relevance do you think Marvin Mims will have, especially in Dynasty? First time I've gotten the pleasure to catch you guys live. Love the pod. Listen daily. Buckham. Thank you so much, Not for Cupcakes Sports Talk. We appreciate the 499 Super as well. Uh, Carl, I'm going to be honest with you. Because I am so trench-oriented and in my analysis on the players themselves versus the systems, I'm not, and for what we do, I'm not as good at fantasy football compared to other things. I'm better than your average Joe, but like I don't spend like hours and hours and hours researching fantasy football. Uh, but as far as wide receivers go, the fact that Sean Payton traded up for him, uh, the fact that uh, Jerry Judy will only have two years of control left, the fact that the Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are on contracts you can get rid of after the season. I think for Dynasty, Mims is probably not a bad get, especially if you're looking for a a wide receiver too. I don't know about wide receiver one. I don't know if he's ever going to be a volume kind of guy for that. Uh, but I think for a wide receiver two in a dynasty, that's not a, not a bad get. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what he averaged per reception in college. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But again, not high volume. Right. Right. And that's always going to be the problem there. So I would say it depends on what kind of league you're running. You know, if it is on a per catch basis, if that gets you like a half point per catch, then I'd say he's probably not going to be your your top guy to go after. Um, but you're right. Down the road, could be a low-end one, top-tier two kind of wide receiver in, in fantasy football if you get him in dynasty. Um, not going to be a whole lot this year unless there's some major injuries. I, I would say at, at tops, he's probably going to be like a 30-catch kind of guy this year, maybe 25 just because, like you said, it's going to be deep passes if he does get a pass thrown to him. And he's just going to be limited. The, the Broncos do run a ton of two tight end. They're going to want to get their fullback on the field. And so I I think that third wide receiver spot is just not going to be as valuable, even if he wins that third wide receiver over Brandon Johnson this year. Yeah. The other thing about Dynasty with Marvin Mims is the stability of the Broncos quarterback position wide receiver is dependent on the quarterback and Russell Wilson long-term no idea uh, what's going to happen there, but uh, I don't think he's a, a bad get by any means. And the fact again, that Sean Payton went up for him. I think that means something. So uh, we got Richard miles coming in with the uh, gorgeous Eagle there saying hi, Nick and Carl. Hope you're doing well. Benjamin Flores in the house and what's up, man. Best hope hosts in the biz. Russ is looking like he's starting to click. Can't wait to see the product on the field. Hopefully they can all stay healthy, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the Jack coming in saying, how about them dogs 
Georgia is the cream of the crop until they're not. I'm not going to say that directly to Nick Saban's face like David Pollock did, uh, but uh, that's uh, Georgia's incredible. And I'm excited to see what uh, Brock Bowers can do this year for them at tight end. Uh, so, Carl, we're at 56 minutes here. We should start to wrap it up. Uh, any final thoughts about camp? Obviously, we talked today about just camp in general and the Brandon Johnson injury, the Mike McGlinchey stuff going on. Sounds like both those guys are going to be okay. Brandon Johnson sounds like he might be even be back out there tomorrow for all we know, but I would expect him back before training camp ends. Mike Lynchy sounds like he will be out for the rest of training camp, but expected week one. So overall, I'd say good news considering where we were when we heard about those injuries happening. Yeah, no, I, like I said, most of the injuries so far, thankfully have been very minor. Uh, last year, the problem was just so many guys season ending or half a season gone by the time they actually got healthy and, game ready you were down to your few games left in the season and the broncos were already out of it anyway so i I think a lot of these injuries it's more of just a precaution you know oh justin simmons tweaked something he doesn't need a whole lot of time in training camp vance Mm -hmm. joseph even talked about today of he's been helping me learn the defense and how things should be called and corrected me on a few things so i don't need to see justin simmons in the preseason to know that he's going to be ready for the year uh so like I said, so far, I mean, they've got the two major injuries, and they suck. They really do. But I'd say at this point, injuries are not too bad for the Broncos, even if a few guys are sitting out. Every team's going to have probably 10 guys on their injury list going into preseason games, just because, again, they're not going to want to be playing guys with just even the most minor of things, just because you just want to be as precautious as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, overall, I'd say good news uh, for the Broncos today, and uh, hopefully everything is going well. We got Richard Miles saying, I need one of those horse head hats. Well, get one. Uh, They're out there. Um, But yeah, Carl, a lot of fun to be back here on Tuesday again. Things should start to be a little bit more normal going forward as we are swinging into football season. Just, uh, I mean, it's pretty much here. New Broncos football to break down is here. So appreciate everybody uh, coming in and supporting us today. So many super chats and superstars, not for cupcakes coming in. Obviously Phil McLaughlin a few times coming in Papa bear coming in uh, David McElrath. Uh, sorry, definitely referred to him as Papa bear in a old sports group that we knew each other from dating back before I knew you even Carl. So uh, appreciate David, Gary Palmer coming in. Thank you. Shout out to Gary. Hope you're doing well. David Cromello, Troy Bauer. Thank you with a nine 99. Uh, you guys are killing it today. Michael Ronquillo, obviously as well. Uh, you guys are awesome supporting the show. And if you didn't drop a super chat today, what's wrong with you? No, it's okay. Uh, we appreciate everybody coming in and saying hello. Make sure that you're following Carl and I on Twitter. Carl's at Carl Dumbler, MHH. I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also make sure you guys are following us at uh, BTB pod, as well as at mile high huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you're on Facebook, uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And if you're joining us on YouTube today, make sure you're subscribed to mile high huddle liking this show, uh, building the Broncos with Carl and myself and sharing the show on your social media platforms. Always a big help for us, Carl and final thoughts, plans the rest of the day. What's going on? What's, what's on your mind? Uh, family's getting ready to leave for, uh, 4-H up in Nebraska. My kid's going to be doing some mutton busting. You know what that is? Something with lambs sheep. Yeah. You ride a sheep. It's like okay. the bull riding for kids. Okay. And, uh, so they're getting ready to head up to that for a few days. I've got a few days sitting around, get to watch the Broncos game this weekend. It's all going to be all going to be good. Uh, I'm like I said, just excited that football's back. Well, awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, hopefully he's a, uh, he's mutton busting, not being, you know, kid busting, right. Or whatever's going on there. But uh, 
that'll be that'll be fun. Some uh, some good old fashioned four H fun. So us both being Midwesterners, we know a thing or two about the four H out there. But appreciate everyone coming in. Um, everyone have a great rest of your Tuesday. I'll, we'll see you guys again tomorrow morning on uh, Scott Scott and I show talking a little bit of NFL and Atlanta Falcons at uh, seven a.m. Mountain Time, and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Until then, make sure you continue to choose kindness and compassion. Next time we see you guys, Carl and I at least together, we'll have new Broncos football to talk about. So exciting. Uh, Have a great one, guys. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.